What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to A Thing or Two, a deep dive into stuff we think more people should know about. I'm Claire Mazer. And I'm Erica Cerullo. You might know us as the co-founders of Of A Kind, the co-authors of Work Wife, or just two women who feel so strongly about their relationship that they own the domain ClaireAndErica.com. Related, head there and sign up for our newsletter, find episode notes, do all sorts of stuff. Yeah, we have um, also all our promo codes listed there. And by the way, if you think you signed up for our newsletter and you're not getting it, check your spam folder. And if that doesn't work, just try Try to sign up again. (laughs) Yeah, can't hurt. (laughs) We're not going to send you two copies. No, we will not. We will not bother. Um, Leave us a voicemail, 833-632-5463. We are so charmed by them. We love them. And sometimes we play them here. So today, I just wanted to get something out of the way. Yeah, let's talk about it. (sighs) I just wanted to put this out into the world. I was on the phone with my mom like a random Saturday afternoon. And she was like, I got to call you back. I'm in the middle of this webinar. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what's a webinar? And she was like, oh, well, the people like we, our accountants like run this thing so that like, to sort of like tell you about the state of the economy. And I was like, do you oh, mean a webinar? Oh, a webinar. And she was like, oh, is that how you pronounce it? And I was like, yeah. Well, where's the air part coming from? <laughs> and I was like, it's like a seminar, but it's a webinar. And there was a whole Oh, um, she thought that webinar was, you know, I obviously thought she was just like, oh, like debonair. It's spelled similarly, which it's not. But yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, webinar rhymes with debonair. No, she was like, it's like web on air. Listen, it makes almost <laughs> as much sense because seminar and <laughs> Web, like web and sem don't yeah. aren't not nice substitutes yeah. for one another. So it's not like webinar yeah. makes a ton of sense. Yeah. I understand that her logic makes just as much. Well, listen, she'll be glad to know that because despite having had that conversation, I've now continued to hear her pronounce it <laughs> webinar in various scenarios. So it's not like the logic was so strong that it stuck for her. She, no, totally. She's sticking with webinar. She's like, can't teach an old dog new tricks. It's webinar. Um, so we looked up uh, the term webinar to see mm-hmm. if uh, anyone used it like this or in any other ways. And it is used but not in this way. Yeah. Um, at least according to Urban Dictionary, which you all know, like, you know, maybe <laughs> means it's used once or twice. But I think we can all work on that because webinar is a very useful term. Yeah. Um, it is uh, having a presence online that is sophisticated, good-natured, and charming or stylish. 
is technologically up to date and adeptly maintained or managed, whether by the person himself or another, which like, why does that need to be there anyway, (laughs) and is easily read, viewed, followed, or otherwise experienced by others online. So it is basically someone who is debonair, but on the internet. I'm thrilled by this use. And I, I encourage us and our audience to start just putting this into circulation. And maybe just hashtag it. Yeah, I don't know. Webinar. So we thought we'd brainstorm some celebrities who uh, we think are distinguished webinar uh, social media Mm -hmm. personalities. First and foremost, Busy Phillips. Very webinar. Incredibly webinar. Yeah. Um, Mandy Moore. Mm -hmm. Totally webinar. Quite. (laughs) Quite. Um, Casey Musgraves. Mm. If she's not webinar, I don't know who is. Thank you. Tracy Ellis Ross. Absolutely webinar. Greta Lee. Very webinar. Lizzo. Mm Mm-hmm. The height of webinar. <laughs> so webinar. She's like defining new categories of webinar. And Gabrielle Union. Very webinar. Very webinar. Very webinar. Um, I think we can, I think we can, we can work make webinar happen. I think we can work with this. Yeah. I think let's, let's make, let's make the search, the like search frequency of the term webinar skyrocket. Here's a question for you. Yeah. That I think we need to make clear. How is webinar spelled? Oh God. Thank, thank you for asking. Mm-hmm. W- because it's not spelled like webinar. No, because that's <laughs> a yeah. different word. Okay. W-E-B-O-N-A-I-R. So it's actually spelled like web on air. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Webinar. Yes. Um, like debonair. Let's make it happen, people. Thank you so much to Causebox for sponsoring today's episode. Causebox is a quarterly subscription box curated by women for women that is filled with all sorts of amazing products and brands that are ethical, sustainable, and have a positive mission to give back and make the world better. Every Causebox is limited edition and comes with six to eight full-size products. You can get everything from skincare and jewelry to homeware and accessories. Obviously, this resonates with us big time. The last four boxes sold out within days, which makes total sense because you get over $250 worth of products for only $50. So I got my own sample box recently, and I was genuinely so surprised at what came in this box and how much of it there was. There was a traveler tumbler, a bento box, a duffel bag, like a legit beautiful canvas duffel bag, a huge leather clutch that could definitely double as an iPad or laptop case, a really nice earring set, a new primer I'm excited to try, and a jade roller. And the thing that I really like sort of pushed me over the edge for this company is that there's this beautifully done magazine in each box that tells the story and the mission behind each product in the box. It highlights the makers. I mean, this is a company after our own heart, barking up our tree, singing our song, like this so in our wheelhouse. It feels like such a great tool for discovery of new products and brands and would also make an excellent gift. And, 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 and Causebox is giving our listeners an exclusive discount. So go to www.causebox.com slash a thing or two and use the code a thing or two to get your first box for 30% off. As in you can get your first box worth over $250 for less than $39 and free shipping. Go check out Causebox now. That's www.causebox.com slash a thing or two and use the code a thing or two to get your first box for 30% off. I'm Arielle Laurie, host of the Blonde Files podcast, where every Wednesday I cover all things wellness. After nearly dying from drugs and alcohol six years ago, I've been on a mission to live my best, most fulfilled life, and I'm sharing everything with you. From how to achieve optimal health, well-being, and fulfillment, to the best beauty tips and even cosmetic procedures, 
I cover it all with raw, candid conversations with experts and inspirational guests. You can follow along with everything over on Instagram at Ariel and make sure to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. We are here. We are back for part two of our Mickey Drexler story. Oh my gosh, we so we had Mickey on a month or a month or two ago and it was such a success. People were so excited about it and Mickey was excited enough about it. Yeah, yeah. excited enough. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that yes. everybody wanted a chapter two. So here we are with it. For those who are somehow not aware, Mickey Drexler is a retail legend responsible for the success of so many great, important American brands from The Gap, Old Navy, J. Crew, Madewell. Now he's building Alex Mill with his son, which is, if you have not checked it out, is very worth checking out. Um, um, and which has come up on this episode a bunch of times. It came yeah. up on our Nikki Oganike episode. Mm-hmm. She's uh, the G- GQ's deputy fashion editor, and she it's her, one of her Alex favorite Mill. men's brands right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we're back with Mickey. Hey. Hi, how are you? Good. We're Good. excited to have you. <laughs> So today we want to focus a little bit more on sort of like career leadership advice, um, which I think it would be interesting to hear a little bit about how you got started, because I think a lot of people know about you getting to Gap and then going from Gap to J. Crew, and now what you're up to now. But where did you where did you get started? Well, uh, I always say I got started as a kid. I mm-hmm. mean, so if, I don't know, you're talking about started in yeah. business or... <laughs> Yeah, in your career. I, because I never think, uh, it, there's no uh, cutoff time when you start, like, oh, I graduated college, and So I, I think we're all influenced enormously by our growing up, our family, uh, circumstances, how you live, where you live. So uh, where do you want me to start? Well, I always What was worked, your first job in general? Well, I always worked as a kid. My first yeah. job in general was, I was about... 12 years old, and I, my uncle, uh, I grew up in the Bronx, and my uncle had a towel uh, cleaning service, and I used to sort towels, clean, dirty, like gas stations, uh-huh. offices, and then there was like number two towel. I never, in the two years I worked there, figured out what was the almost clean, almost dirty towel for, <laughs> but uh, that's what I did. And then uh, my next job was uh, delivering, uh, I was a freshman in high school, and uh, I delivered the New York Times at high school. And I did that until we moved. Uh, I was at Bronx Science, and they merged a building, so I lost my job okay. uh, delivering the Times because there was now one deliverer. What was two. it like losing your job at 15? You know, I never... I, <laughs> you bounced back. It, it was worse when I was like in my 50s, but, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, that was fine. You bounce back, you get a job. I always like to work. I, I like to work. My father forced me to work. So I used to go in uh, to uh, work with him. He worked in the garment business, and I used to work in the shipping room. Mm-hmm. What'd you like about working? Uh, not. I, I didn't like it that much, because, uh, but I learned a lot of things that were... Good for me and maybe not good. I liked, I actually liked the extra money because uh, I didn't have any. Uh, and uh, and uh, I liked keeping busy, uh, but I, I was uh, very resentful towards having to work when I was like a young kid. My dad and I didn't have the kind of relationship that was wonderful and warm and fuzzy. So it was it was like there was no choice. There was absolutely no choice. How did it inform how you thought about money? Well, money or work, it, it, I mean, it. Uh, I thought about money in that, well, I'll never forget, I worked one summer 
and I was working. Uh, I worked a lot, and he had he had a, a Garmin Center boss. Some people, most people, won't know what that means. But what I remember most informing me was my father. Um, first of all, was always very impressed with people who theoretically had money. And those, he was impressed with them, or you he were? He was. Yeah. And uh, uh, he, you know, he. Um, well, in those days, if you had a Cadillac, you were rich. You know, it was all relative growing up uh, in my environment. But I'll never forget, I took the payroll to the bank one day. And being me, I stopped along the way and I went through everyone's paycheck. Mm. And I'll never forget with my dad, because he acted like a little bit of a big shot with me. And he was one of the lowest paid people in his area. And I was kind of stunned and hurt for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Do you think he knew that? hmm? Do you think he knew that? Oh, I never told him. You mean that he was paid? That he was one of the lowest paid? Uh, You know, it's funny. He wasn't really a deep thinker. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, I don't think he knew it. I was stunned because some of the people who he might think are not that smart or this, that, and the other thing were being paid more than him. So that kind of over time told me, well, maybe the world's not that fair. Or whatever, and you're not, it made an not impression. It made yeah. a huge impression. I was mm-hmm. very upset. Yeah, uh, I was really upset about it, just because I was so disappointed. Mm-hmm. How do you think that it influenced you? Well, I think part of it. It's a good question. I don't know. Part of it is I don't know if it made me more ambitious. I never set out to make money. I, I set out to maybe live a nice lifestyle, maybe. I, I guess I was always very ambitious, but I always wanted to do the job right first. And I never took a job because of the money. I, I took jobs because I didn't like my prior job. Right. And I didn't like <laughs> that job. And I didn't like this job until I ended up doing what I loved. Uh, and even then, I wasn't— you know, when, when was I, that that you well, ended up doing I, I what loved you loved? I was running Ann Taylor. I was yep. 35 years old. And it wasn't like a big money deal because I didn't get a huge raise. I didn't negotiate. I just did it because I loved— the idea of, well, I hated working in the store. I was working in the big department stores, very bureaucratic. And I, I was looking for something, uh, people I really admired and who I was learning from. And that wasn't, uh, there wasn't a lot of people at all. But I always learned on my own or from Katie Murphy, who I, you know, who was my first uh, person who taught me a lot of stuff about the business. She, was, she was a buyer? She was the fashion director at Bloomingdale's. Uh, and I traveled with her. Uh, I was I went very quickly at Bloomingdale's career-wise. I really moved up the ladder quickly, whatever that meant. And Katie was like assigned to me. And you were a buyer at Bloomingdale's. I was a buyer, and uh, Katie was a fashion director. And we used to go to Europe together hey, two or three times a year. And all I knew was what Katie thought and what I thought, buy nice goods, make sure they're well-priced. And it was just like in the DNA of Katie and myself, because Bloomingdale's was in a very cool company. It was, uh, yeah, so so it was very influential on me. And then I spent uh, 10 more years like complaining a little about what I was doing. It's hard to find something you love. And then I ended up uh, being offered a job, uh, pre- executive vice president of Ann Taylor. I knew the business, 25 stores. It was very uh, kind of potentially cool. Uh, and I kept saying no, which was not smart on my part. A friend of mine says, what are you, crazy? An older, successful friend. He goes, take the job. I took the job the next morning. Why I, did you keep saying no? Well, I, I don't know why. Because I don't know if it was risky or not. I'm a very conservative person. In that, So I had a nice salary. Finally, he said, I would take the job. I'd rather run a 25-store company than be a vice president of whatever. 
big company. He also knew the, the head of my uh, company, and he didn't like him at all. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget, we had lunch. He says, what are you working with this guy for? I kind of felt that way with a fair amount of people. And so, so I went to take— I feel like you still feel that way right. about a fair well, amount of people. I, you know, I, but I have a lot of great friends out oh, there. Yeah, and I'm of not going to pinpoint anyone. They said, look, I have a very high standard. Yes. yes. And I always wanted to learn, and I wanted to admire and respect yeah. people. And uh, if you work in some big companies, it's hard to get that sense because they're mostly bureaucratic, fat with people, and people protecting themselves. Yeah. And, it's a lot of uh, self-interest. So I went to uh, be the president of Ann Taylor, and I just did what I thought I should do. No one was there. My bosses were in Washington, D.C., so I kind of like that. And you just do intuitively, because no one said, do this, do that. And uh, so we went We went to a direct-to-consumer model because uh, Brooks Brothers had it, and then Benetton in mm. Europe had it. And it's funny, everyone like talks about direct-to-consumer today. Like it's a new idea. And in all fairness, <laughs> you know, Limited had it yeah. in yeah. those days because Les Wexner uh, did that at Limited stores. And to me, you controlled your product, you designed your product, and you didn't worry, oh, you get up every morning, you're not worrying who's on sale right. with, with the same brand. thing. Yeah. Exactly. yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. Um, so I did that. I, I left after f- four years. And then I'm looking, uh, I, I knew I had to leave because enough's enough. And in terms of, I, I really wanted to have a piece of, I, I wanted to own something. And, uh, and Ann Taylor, I, I didn't own anything. I was on a salary and I like stock options. Not that I liked them. I'd never had a stock option. So I moved to California. Now that's a whole long story. I met Don Fisher. Someone fixed us up. This is the founder of The Gap. It was tough. I walk. I, I went there, public company, and was a nightmare because for me, you know, I, I get anxious about certain things. The stock's dropping. I'm brand new and I'm liquidating inventory. Don is saying, what are you doing? All the inventory, because you have to liquidate bad stuff. Yeah. Uh, and, the, and, and, and we earned, I think, $22 million my first year. And I left at a billion dollars earning. Wow. But I think we ended up earning 22 when I got there. And then the next year it was $12 million. Oof. The stock was Ooh. whatever. And <laughs> yeah. I'm there like shaking. Business took off like a rocket in the middle of August 1985. What, what, were, what was the main thing driving it? What well, were the tr- changes you made? Driving it was, uh, it, it's, you know, it's very hard to explain that. If you go into a store and there was no online then, it was about, I had about 20 items that uh, in my drawer when I was going to do a startup. Sweatshirt and colors, t-shirts, it's all the, the classics mm-hmm. in the world. I like classics with a color, with a spin, with and I've been doing that for a million years. And now it's a little more complicated because it's a little more designy, et cetera. But always clothes that, I say annuity clothes, mm-hmm. clothes that in fact are not great in Vogue magazine. They're great They're every day. They're not editorial. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're great every day like this, you know, old Agnes B. Is it old Cardigan that I'm wearing. It's new. It's oh, so new. it's a new version with more yeah. metal buttons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, or that, or this. this yeah, we're all wearing we're cardigans. All three of us are wearing cardigans. Yeah, these are, these yeah. are good forever. Yes. And um, so I like clothes that are good forever. Uh, just, I never thought about it other than classics, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And uh, so color, really important, because it's a palette, and there's a picture you paint in every store. 
Uh, and, you know, designing is a funny thing. You design or you merchandise a collection. You have a good talent. What does it mean to merchandise a collection? Well, it's kind of like uh, it, it means to take uh, uh, in financial terms. Uh, well, you put goods together, and it has to. It's kind of makes it look like a picture. Mm-hmm. But you have to invest your money in merchandise that'll give you a good return and look really good to a consumer. So when you merchandise. I, I have this thing I was saying to my friend who just took over uh, as the CEO of, of J. Crew, mm-hmm. And I said to Jan, first word, I said, Jan, I, you know, what I, I, first, her first day on the new job, I said, edit ugly. Mm. Huh. So she, she writes that down. Edit, I said, you're there, new. And what did you mean by that? It means throw out everything that will turn off a customer. Yeah. Edit ugly. So on each of my jobs, when I went into J. Crew or Gap, and no one taught me this or until you just it just was what I do. I said, take out of the store anything that points to bad taste mm-hmm. or ugly. As a CEO of these companies, how are you thinking about where to invest? And do you think that the logic you were using then is still the same for com- for retail companies. Uh, when, when you say invest, not in the goods, but in the business. In the business, like yeah. where where were you allocating a lot of funds? Well, one of the big mistakes. Uh, well, I, I, I was allocating at at, uh, at Gap. Don was in charge of real estate, uh, and unlike all the companies, were overly expanding way too quickly. Hmm. So I think much too much then. And this is a long time ago. Was being allocated to stores, uh, because that was the only way to grow. And once you're looking for only to grow, it's over. Yeah. So, so right now, for example, in, in you know, uh, what I've learned uh, kind of hanging out with some venture people, my first year out of office, out of office at a J. Crew, I was sitting in a venture mm-hmm. office and growth was critical. Yeah. Not profits, Growth, growth, growth. Well, yeah. Add the the volume. Add (laughs) this. There's a bigger conversation there about the venture philosophy, right? And And I would say, (laughs) what about profit and don't lose so much money? What about margins? But what what about, about, here's a question for you, though. When you talk about Gap, you know, investing so much in real estate then, I can remember that era and part of Gap's brand was its ubiquity and it feeling like this omnipresent American brand. And so- that's about growth, but it's also in some ways about brand positioning, right? Well, no, at some look, brand positioning is the merchandise, uh, the emotion, and we had some brilliant campaigns. Yeah, oh, I yeah. Mean, I mean, Gap uh, was the best store in my mall. Yeah, oh, you same. know, we, we, uh, had, we grew up in those places. Uh, yes, yeah, I, I, you know, it's never one person. You know, maybe I led the symphony, but you know, our first thing that went wild was the individuals of style, yes. black and white mm-hmm. campaign, yes. and it came about. Because we said, and it took a while to develop it. You, you know, you talk. I had a partner then uh, who was really great and talented, and uh, it took a while to to absorb it. Say, look, I I want people to be stylish and be right and wear Gap clothes along with whatever. Right. She came up. I'll never forget in 1988, and and the business was rocket before mm-hmm. that. Except it, uh, in 1987, we had the crash. So it went from $78 a share 
to $18 a share in 1987. Of course, I almost killed myself, but it was happening to everyone. So uh, We just saw the play, the Lehman Trilogy, and, uh, yeah. last night, and there's, there's yeah. a lot of people yeah. killing themselves over crash. share price. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So individual style, 1988, uh, you know, we went from uh, 87, 1987, it went down, but it was like a rocket. Wild. Wild yeah. campaign, you know, the, the khaki swing right. and wild campaigns done with really talented people. Yeah. And that's kind of what I do for a living uh, aside from pick and do that. But investing means uh, long term always. Uh, it means uh, it means what's going to give you a payoff and where do you take the appropriate risks? Because uh, I never ran a business for short term. Right. Uh, and, and Which is a difference from now, the way that a lot of people think about business. Well, yeah, it's different. And and if you really want to build something, you cannot be there f- 10 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, or more. I was at a Gap for 18 years. I was at J. Crew for 15 years. And now uh, I'm at Alex Mill. Uh, you um, know, so. So you mentioned earlier when you got your job at uh, and Taylor, and when you're running it for four years, you're operating pretty much on your lo- by your lonesome, totally, yeah, and all on intuition. How do you even develop your intuition and learn to listen to it? Well, it, it, when I say all on intuition, uh, there's a very important part of statistics, or yeah, you know, uh, like now they call it algorithms or whatever yeah. everyone mm-hmm. calls it. Uh, I I analyzed a lot of selling, and you and it's we don't have time today but you got to have the right eye and the right sense of commerciality and then you got to figure out what's a, you got to see around corners and then you got to figure out how much investment it's worth so when i say intuition it's years and years of doing this years of making mistakes and hopefully right more often than you're wrong I think intuition is a certain skill set, you know, thing people have in in some fields they're in and others. Uh, in my case, I was always very good in math. Yeah. And that I found very important to me because I read the numbers. It was almost, um, the numbers were always talking to me. Hmm. You know, you'd move forward and you'd get a sense of numbers. Uh, and, and I always have my own little uh, idiosyncratic ways of playing with numbers. You know, like what did it sell uh, the first day in February in cold weather if it was a T-shirt? You say, well, June, it's in fact the biggest buy ever at Bloomingdale's happened that way. It was 30,000 units of a T-shirt. And, and they said, well, how could you buy so many? I was like 23, 24. I said, well, in February, first week, we sold, call it 100. So what's that worth in, in June, June right? yeah, yeah, yeah. In warm weather, well, let's call it a thousand, right? Right. So it's you can call it gut instinct or intuition, but it, it's a lot of logic and experience and drawing on yeah, experience. Yeah, but I, I think that logic, uh, instinct, or whatever, and uh, imagination, imagination, is because a good I like that. you yeah. know creativity yeah. is always critically important to me, mm-hmm. and and you can't get rid of it. Yeah. You know, you're always 24-7, you're working because your mind, a creative mind never takes time off, which is kind of good news and bad news. Yep. So if I look at this sweater, I'm thinking, I don't know if it's, t- well, I don't want to, I wouldn't copy that because yeah. it's so hers. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I'm looking at that and yeah. you, you see things. Right, 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 and, right, right. And, uh, but you, you uh, I, I've been practicing my craft 
for, you know, I've been running companies for, well, 1980 to now. Um, I think it's nice for for me and for everybody listening probably to hear about the fact that you've been doing this for so long and, you know, you had a ton of success, but there have also been some low points and you got fired. I got fired. Yeah. 18 years uh, at Gap, I walked in, I got fired. Yeah. You got fired. The share yeah. price dropped. There's, there's, you know, it's not always, it's well, not always it's perfect. It's not always up and up and up yeah. and up and up. Well, it, it, it could be, but in the sense, it, no, of course not. Yeah. Although you hit the wall in the fashion business constantly. One of the listener questions we got yeah, let's quite go frequently. Listener questions. Right, yeah. listener listener questions, questions. Yeah. Um, people wanted to know what makes you invest in a business. What are you looking for when you're considering well, investing? Well, the truth is I'm not a good investor in a business. What, what my weakness is, is I invested in companies that I think I could run. So I don't invest anymore other than Alex Mill, Warby Parker. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the concept. Yeah. yeah. And and uh, but that's the only you know I I, uh, I love the concept of Warby Parker I love the two guys mm-hmm. I love the team and I like that they were doing cheaper fashion eyeglasses it reminded me of Old Navy actually right, many yeah, years right. ago but I don't invest uh, I, I'm it's, I keep it all for Alex Smith because I could control it yeah right? and I find that uh, I I once uh, we bought a, a Johnny Rockets mm-hmm. yeah I don't know how many I fell in love with it in San Francisco mm-hmm. you know what I fell in love with it for I'll never forget they gave you nickels to play the jukebox yeah and, and the yeah. hamburgers were pretty good I got to know the owner Ron Tidalbell lovely guy and I put a group together I was at Gap then yeah and we bought the company so what I right. mean I'm not taking a job full time job yeah. running. Johnny Rockets or even a part-time job. And we couldn't find anyone to run it, mm. to do it the right way. So so my weakness is, oh, I might be able to do that or I can connect to it. And I right. learned that it's not the way to do it. I, someone else invests for me in companies. Okay. That um, makes sense. What what spaces are you interested in that aren't fashion? The spaces for? Uh, like industries. industries. Yeah, yeah, industries. Well, uh, interested means I, I think someone ought to design better cars. I don't yeah. know if that's part of the that, question. Yes, 100%. Uh, I think cars are, you know, an industry that I'm interested in. How do you reconcile Alex Mills' brand motto of needing less stuff with wanting to grow? I think what we're trying to do with Alex Mill, number one, it's quality with good value. Yeah. And people say, well, your prices are really fair. They're good. Uh, but that in itself is sustainability, yeah. not not throwing clothes out. This is, you know, it's from my old company. I bought he's, six, he's six of them. He's got his hands on his cardigan right now, right. for yeah. those of you who right, can't right. see. <laughs> so, uh, but I, I think part of it is um, you, you really don't need so many clothes if you buy quality clothes. Yeah. And I think the world's moving in that direction. On the other hand... Most people don't buy quality clothes. I hate yeah. to say, oh, oh, yeah, there, there's true. the massive America. So, uh, and you know, and there's check the box stuff going. So, everything's so much check the box these yeah. days. You know, you mean just in messaging around well, everything? Yeah. it's just you know, and then you look what the real world's like and what the political world's like, not politics. Yeah, but um, you know, it, it's very difficult to uh, do what you think is right to do, and uh, so our message really is: well, we mean that. Yeah. You know, uh, uniform dressing. I mean, for men, it's really easy, but you guys are wearing a uniform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're pretty, we're, uh, yeah. we're I, better I, at it by the day. Yes. Yeah. No, you're wearing yeah. classics with a yeah. twist. Yes. And and the twist means not boring. It means good quality. It means 
not buying in certain companies where, and there's some very good cheaper companies for certain categories. Which ones do you like? I would never name them. Here. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I, I just wouldn't name it because for whatever, the ones I like, yeah. the ones I don't, whatever you buy, it should be in your closet, in your wardrobe, and they look good five years later. Yeah. It's kind of the good design. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good yeah. design never goes out of style. Yeah. Five years is a nice yeah. way of thinking yeah. about it. But, but I have, uh, you know, these jeans are, I don't know how well, my shoes, these Alden shoes are, I think they're 25 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Mickey, this was wonderful. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you for coming back again. We loved having you. Love being um, here. It's fun. That's the show. This has been a production of Dear Media. You can listen to us wherever podcasts are found, like Stitcher, iTunes, and Spotify. If you have ideas for the show or want to advertise, email podcast at claireandericka.com. 